0: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello again, and welcome to Ask Andrew, Episode 8. In the last episode, I, oh, I don't know, crossed some lines, perhaps got daring and scary, and I argued that... Christian classical education, properly understood and attempted, enables us to know, glorify, and enjoy God. Well, that needs a little bit further reflection. And one of the ways we can approach that reflection is by thinking about just what it is that we are teaching our children in a classical education. Remember the definition. I I argued way back at the beginning that, and and continually that, that Christian classical education is the cultivation of wisdom and virtue. And we do that by nourishing the soul on the true, the good, and the beautiful. By means of the seven liberating arts of truth, perception, and harmony. But the goal, the reason we do all of that as Christians... Is much higher than the Greeks ever thought of. They were content with wisdom and virtue for the most part, the best of them, but we do it so that the student is better able to know, glorify, and enjoy God in Christ. Well, what if we look back at the beginning of the definition, the cultivation of wisdom and virtue? I want in this in this session to address the question, what is a virtue? And then how is it cultivated? And one of the things that becomes immediately obvious, not obvious, sorry, important, crucial, when we think about the virtues, is to note that there are different kinds of virtues. And the different kinds of virtues are cultivated in different ways. And let me uh, give an example of different kinds to illustrate my point here. One kind of virtue, one, one virtue would be patience. Everybody used to know patience is a virtue. I think we no longer believe that in America. I think the ultimate virtue now is passion. We're passionate about things. But patience used to be a virtue. Well, why? W- what kind of virtue is patience? Well, interestingly, patience is is one of what's called the cardinal virtues. And the reason is because the cardinal virtue comes from the Latin cardin- cardinal or cardinale or something like that, which means hinge. The cardinal virtues are the virtues on which every other virtue hinges. If you don't have patience, you can't develop any virtue of any kind. Or let me rephrase that and say, the amount of patience you have determines how much of the other virtues you can develop. So, therefore, patience is a virtue because it helps us to become better at whatever we're trying to do. And that's one of the things that makes a virtue a virtue, is precisely that it makes us better at what we should do. Here's another virtue speed. Speed. Yes, I said speed. As in running fast. The virtue of the cheetah is its speed, one could say. But wait a minute. Patience and speed are both virtues? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, all other things being equal, if you have patience and you have speed, you are better than you would be if you didn't. Walking in a balanced way is a virtue, and so what we're talking about—speed, balance, um, um, ballet movements—what would that be? Um, poise, delicacy, balance, power, strength—those are all virtues. But what kind of virtue? Well, they're they're physical virtues. They're virtues, you might say, virtues of the body. Those are good. If you have them, you're better off than if you don't. Health, physical health is virtuous. The, The virtuous body is the healthy and strong body. It's the body able to do what it's made to do. Okay. There are virtues of the mind as well. Intelligence is a pretty vague term, but you could talk about intelligence as a virtue of the mind. Memory, attentiveness, um, ability to imitate, uh, um, the ability to ask good questions. I don't know what the word for that would be. Inquisitiveness, perhaps, would be a virtue. These These are virtues of the mind. So we have virtues of the body. And now we're talking about virtues of the mind. Now, I think most people would agree that virtues of the mind are more helpful in becoming a human being than virtues of the body. But you don't want to lack the virtues of the body. Nonetheless, a very very wise man could be physically crippled. Um, I think you can think of of a you know the intellectual genius, the, the Stephen Hawking, who who has intellectual virtues in some ways unparalleled but physically suffers so many limitations and yet he's a great great man because of that and in my view any virtue is good that's what makes them a virtue but there are some virtues can I say it that are better than others so I've got physical virtues at least some people do I lack physical virtues some people have intellectual virtues I'm going to suggest there's also virtues of the soul. Now, I think, and I get in over my head here, but I think virtues of the soul would be things like, well, patience, I think, would be a virtue of the soul. Um, Courage certainly manifests itself in physical activity, um, but courage is a a virtue of the soul. Moderation would be a virtue of the soul. Temperance, self-control. These are, I think virtues of the soul, soulish virtues, psychological virtues. Now, if you have psychological or soulish virtues, those help you to be a balanced person and a healthy souled person. Even more important, I would argue, than intellectual virtues. That's why I think wisdom is a virtue of the soul more than it's a virtue of the intellect. There's another level of virtues And that would be the virtues of the spirit, the spiritual virtues. And I think this more excellent way that Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 13 is a description of the highest of the virtues. And of course, he identifies the greatest of the virtues as love. But I think faith also is a spiritual virtue and hope is a spiritual virtue. I contended at the beginning that these different kinds of virtues are cultivated in different ways. Physical virtues are cultivated by physical exercise. And in a way, you can almost force physical virtue on a person. You can put a, you can put a, a whip to their back and make them run faster, like a horse. Horses can be physically very virtuous, and you use your spur to make, it, make sure of it. I think it's unkind, but it can be done. Uh, The mind, it's a little bit harder, isn't it? You can force intellectual virtue on a person, but not as easily as you can force physical virtue on a a person. Intellectual virtue is cultivated by discipline, um, by arousing and directing the intellectual side, the understanding by raising questions. I think Proverbs 1 puts it beautifully. He, he says the goal of, of his book of Proverbs is, is to, um, he lists a number of goals, but one of them is that the, 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 the young man will be able to uh, determine, interpret the enigmas and riddles of the wise, I take that to mean that the wise man who's teaching the young man should use riddles and enigmas because riddles and enigmas raise questions and you're not going to develop intellectual virtue without pursuing answers to questions. The soulish virtues are even more subtle. To cultivate the soulish virtues It seems to me that you do need to exercise a level of physical discipline and intellectual discipline, but it must be ordered to something higher. It must be at least moving toward the level of personhood and mystery. Harmony, balance, integrity, these are these are soulish virtues that go beyond our thinking and bring in our behavior, our relationships, our conduct, our attitudes, the whole the whole thing. And it becomes a much more subtle thing to cultivate a soulish virtue. I find that when I want to cultivate soulish virtues in myself or others, I need I need books because they're written by and I mean the great books because they're written by people far advanced. When it comes to spiritual virtues, we enter into the realm of the miraculous. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We are not saved by works, but by grace through faith, which doesn't come from ourselves and grace is a gift and i suppose then when it comes to faith hope and love the way we get that is by asking for them and then waiting on the lord to give them but these are but these are all virtues and the reason they're all virtues is because they are excellences they are they are what make us human. They are what enable us to be truly human. Now, one thing that I hinted at in the last uh, episode, and I want to emphasize even more here, is that whether we like it or not, life teaches us that there is a practical hierarchy to these virtues. And if you focus all of your attention on the physical virtues, you're going to disorder the person because he needs... Intellectual virtues as well. He needs to be able to think about what he's doing with his body. He needs his mind to guide his body. But his mind isn't enough. The mind needs the soul to direct it. And even the soul isn't enough. It needs the spirit to direct it. And if faith and hope and love aren't the guiding virtues then the soulish virtues and the intellectual virtues and the physical virtues will all undo themselves. They'll come undone. For example, without the soulish virtue of courage, you won't have the courage to think clearly and accurately under duress, nor will you have the courage to act properly, um, well, to act courageously when you need to. So of all the virtues, by far the most important are the spiritual. My concern arises when we separate the spiritual virtues and we say, faith, hope, and love are all that matter. Well, love doesn't think so. Love's task is not to lord it over and drive everything else away, but to make all things one. Hope doesn't think so. Hope yearns for the day when Christ comes back, and makes all things one in himself. Faith doesn't think so. Faith believes that grace given to us doesn't destroy human nature, but takes it on in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ and exalts it to the right hand of God. And that human nature is being transformed by grace into a restored image of God. So faith, hope, and love are not at war with the lower virtues, but working to bring them to perfection. Faith, hope, and love are not at war with the classical curriculum, the seven liberal arts, but are laboring in them to lift them to their rightful understanding, to to direct them to their rightful ends. And that's why I believe that Christian classical education is the cultivation of wisdom and virtue, by nourishing the soul on the true, the good, and the beautiful, by means even of the seven liberal arts, so that in Christ the student is better able to know, to glorify, and to enjoy God. And may the Lord bless you and keep you as you strive to to cultivate the highest virtues and the truest wisdom in your children, bringing along with them all the other virtues that will make them more like the God who made them in his image. And to that end, may the Lord remember you in his kingdom. Hold up.